Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. Join your hosts as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things kings of war. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Randy Davis. I'm Mark Burr. And I'm Rob Enough. And we're back again for an episode a while in the making. We had a recording date a couple, two weeks ago, and I canceled on you guys. Uh, so we had uh, Audible, and I'm very glad that this is finally being recorded. This is one of the more highly anticipated episodes of the year. We had very good listener feedback on the when we posted that we were going to do this episode. Lots of great questions. And this is the episode where we're going to dive into being colorblind and how it affects the hobby. Before we get there, let's do some introductions. So let's start with Mark. Introduce yourself to the Countercharge audience. Well, let's see. I'm Mark Burr. I've been playing uh, first Warhammer, now Kings of War, for uh, since, I don't know, in the mid-90s. So I've been playing a little while. Uh, currently playing uh, uh, Nature Army. Gradually converting it over to a salamander army. Have played Trident Realms. Uh, just a casual tournament player. I don't get to play very much locally. Um, used to be pretty good at the other stuff, but uh, not anymore. <laughs> and we should tell people you're to play for fun. You're you're in Central Arkansas. Yes, yes, I am in uh, at Jacksonville, Arkansas, which is the location of uh, Little Rock Air Force Base. Awesome. Uh, so it's real close to Little Rock. And I've seen you at lots of events. Obviously, you're, you're a frequent, you, you come to Kings of Memphis and Kings of the Monsters. Uh, I know you, you love the events that Jim Livers has been putting on, uh, the Kentucky Wildcat. Yes, I, I've been up to the Wildcat. I, I, don't, I don't mind traveling, especially during the summertime. Uh, during the, I go to uh, Shiloh uh, in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, and uh, Batesville, which is Kings of Monsters. I've been capable of going to Springfield, uh, for, uh, Kings, Kings of winter. winter. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I love going to, uh, the, the Bard, uh, Kings of Memphis. Kings of Memphis. Uh, yeah. Number three up and, coming up. Uh, I've been down to Houston several times yeah. also to buy. Yeah, we, we met at, uh, by you this last summer for, for that one. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of fun down there over the years. Well, let's turn it over to Randy. I know Randy's been on maybe once or twice before. But let's remind people, who is Randy Davis? <laughs> uh, I am Dojo's darling doormat. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever been to Southern California, but they have these signs that have like a person dragging a kid. John Green's the, the adult in that sign. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, that's that's how it was at, at the, uh, the doubles tournament Mark Cox put on this past weekend. I mean, it was him dragging me along and me dragging him down, man. It's, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's what happens when you, uh, you don't move away from dwarfs for so long. But I'm getting there. I'm yeah. getting there. Uh, I've got something new in the works and a little bit of it got debuted at, at the doubles tournament. And I'm hoping to have the full thing on the table by, uh, by Shiloh. I don't have much left at this point. So okay. we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I look Fantastic. forward to playing you. And you're obviously from Dallas, the Dallas-Fort area. I'm from yeah. Dallas. I grew up in, in Kaufman originally. What's where I picked up uh, Warhammer Fantasy way back in the day. That would have been um, – oh, the starter box set was the Orcs, Goblins, and the Empire at that time. So I think that was 6th edition, somewhere in the mid-2000s. 
Might might have been two thousand. Yeah, that that might have been sixth edition with the Empire and the Orcs. That was a great. That was a great starter set. It was it that was, was fantastic. So that was that was like my my kid nerd brain just cannonballed right into that with my friends that that got me hooked on the game and everything. And of course, they all liked playing casually. And I I found like Lone Wolf and the competitive scene, oh, yeah. and it was you know drawn towards that immediately and uh stuck with it up through the the end times so to speak and around then i was i was in college and nobody in waco was playing uh warhammer fantasy at all or kings so i'm like well i'm just gonna shelve everything for a little bit and i'll circle back around eventually and i picked up kings about uh two years ago now right before the plague started that's a that's a good uh (laughs) that's a good bookmark on that one right right before the plague so i had something to do through you know lockdowns and everything and uh i've been been playing ever since it's i'm i'm really enjoying it i got to you know pull my old dwarfs off the shelf and uh since kings was you know mini agnostic i'm like great for the last two years it's been see cool dwarf buy cool dwarf and you know add to cart and (laughs) go from there so it's been i've had a lot of fun with it up till now well, as a member that of, makes it sound like it ended, but yeah, I'm still yeah, having fun with it, of course. Yeah. <laughs> as a member of Dojo, though, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of like you and Tom Annis's job to make them the softer, gentler Jojo, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like to think so. I'm just like, I mean, I'm I'm playing with toy soldiers and drinking beer. I'm not here to kick somebody's teeth in, man. I'm here to have a good time. And uh, I think, what, what was the line I, I fed you? Exactly. I, what was the line I fed you at Lone Wolf a couple years ago, uh, Rob? It was, I'm here to... to uh, drink beer and throw dice because if I do the inverse, I've got nothing to wash the dice down with. <laughs> awesome. Well, with that, let's let's jump in and talk about hobby updates because Mark, I know you got a ton of stuff on your painting table. So, what are you painting? I'm painting a lizard bin right now, or uh, salamanders, and some uh, demons, fire demons, fire elementals. <laughs> See, I still get lost in the old terminology. Hundred uh, percent lizard yeah, salamanders. Lizard men, salamanders. Uh, the nature army is, to me, is very interesting. You can go so many different ways with it, and I've had a lot of fun painting uh, air elementals. I was going to say, how many greater air elementals do you have? <laughs> I've only got two. Oh, oh, squishy list. You got a pump of them rookie numbers. <laughs> I'm like Randy. I'm I've passed uh, my competitive stage in life, and I'm to the. Let's play and have fun. Stay. <laughs> a lot of people that played me back in Warhammer would not say I was at the fun stage back then, but now because <laughs> I wore a few of them out, but uh, uh, I'm at that place now. I love to paint. That's awesome. Yeah, every time I see you, you either have a new army or a ton of new units. Every single time I at an event, I see you. So you must be churning out a ton of stuff. I'm a big Etsy guy. We've talked about that. Every time I see a cute new model, some pretty girl with showing a little leg, I've got to paint that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I've, I've recently purchased a, a bunch of uh, Mantic stuff, uh, the Fire Elementals and a bunch of Tyrant from the War Room. Did, were you, oh, that's fantastic. Great, great. They have a, they have a good price on them compared to uh, what the, the, host, the regular price is. Yeah. I thought it was a really good deal. And... Uh, very impressive models, I, and uh, but I couldn't resist. I, I, my plan is to put three uh, Mantic Tyrants and one Etsy big uh, lizard back behind it. So uh, we'll see how that looks when it gets done. Going to Adepticon, and I'm, I actually should probably look. I'm not checking sure of the points. I think it'll probably be 2300-ish. So I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can paint a new army in three months. Sure. 
So um, I, I have at this point nine tyrants done. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, you know, so originally <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna definitely going to have ceremonial guard horde. Absolutely. Right. 40 miles. No problem. But now I'm like, I was talking to my buddy Dylan Scribner today. I'm like, <laughs> well, what if I did like a bunch of rhinosaur cavalry and what can I do with scorch wings? <laughs> so uh, we'll see. I, I, it's been fun. It's been fun. I, I'm not trying to, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to crank them out. So putting the minimum and minimum model count. <laughs> so what I'm going to do on the, the tyrants is five models. I think it looks good. Uh-huh. And I'm going to, and I'm going to do five models on the rhinosaur hordes because that, because I have four boxes that leaves me with a couple extra because I have 12 models and I'm only using 10. So it leaves me with a couple extra models to use as battle captains on rhinosaur, I guess is what they're called. Mm-hmm. And then scorch wings. And uh, yeah, the models are great though, Mark. I mean, Oh, mm. those miles. The, the tyrants are great. Those t- fire, fire. I need great. those boxes. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. Like uh, I will say the resin, there are going to be air bubbles. There, there are things you've got to do. You know, it's a resin model. So it takes a little mm. bit more prep work than a metal model, but man, once you get the paint on them, they, they look, they look fantastic. Uh-huh. Randy, I know you got a new army coming, right? What, what's, I do. I've, I'm I'm shirking the uh, the dwarfs. I'm playing something different in a fantasy game for the first time in like two decades. Uh, <laughs> Are they still short? Is it like halflings? No, no. They, I, I went the other direction. I went for speed and strength. So I'm. Uh, what are you playing? Ogres. I'm playing an all mantic uh, forces of the abyss army. Forces of the abyss. Did you listen to the uh, army review? I did. I did indeed. Out of the three of them, which one actually knew what they were talking about? Oh. <laughs> I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna put you on the spot. I just. I, I, I don't know because I don't know which one knew what they were talking about because I still don't know what I'm talking about. I so I, I know not well, that I know like not. Tonight. It's a little exactly, bit like tonight. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but no, I, I knew for my next army I wanted to go all mantic. So I've, I've I've got you know full mantic on this, and I actually took a page out of Pantera's book, being from Texas, and I'm doing a Cowboys from Hell themed army. So I've got I got a bunch of 3D printed cowboy hats that I've got on the flame bears and the warlocks and the tortured souls oh, and I green stuffed cool. a bunch of uh, denim vests on the tortured souls. Oh, I'm clipping so awesome. the, I'm clipping the gargoyles off of their little mound things and putting them on cactuses instead. So uh, I've been been playing this one close to the belts. I hadn't uh, hadn't posted any pictures anywhere, but a, a couple of the dojo guys know that I've been working on it and. I'm really excited about it. I've, I've that's, done a that's handful a cool of theme. test games, and it's super cool theme. I can't wait to get the uh, the uh, the display board and everything done too. I got a handful of MDF oh, yeah. buildings that are like a, a burnt out Old West saloon and a couple of dilapidated buildings and whatnot. So it's just gonna it's I, gonna fit real awesome. well. I'm like I'm I am so excited for this army and to get it on the table, and especially because wow. it goes faster than four inches at a time. Hundred <laughs> percent. I have 100%. I have more tools in the toolbox now. <laughs> Look out, world! Here I come. <laughs> can be dangerous it can be it can be can be well i don't know guys what, what events i mean mark you're going to be hitting up uh king of the monsters coming up and well actually kings of winters next for you right i'm still on the edge i hadn't sent my money in for kings of winter i have sent my money in for kings of monsters and uh, uh shiloh kings of monsters and uh kings of winter is real close together they're back-to-back weekends yeah, they're like really close. It's hard. I don't know if my wife will let me swing that, you know, so I'll have to watch it. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I will see. If, if she'll let me go two weekends in a row, I'll, I'll pull it off, but uh, we'll see. And Randy, you just got done with the team event where you played with John Green. I did. So that was enlightening. What, what, what else you got? You got something coming up uh, through the end of the year? 
Yeah, well, nothing else to the end of the year, but uh, the start of the next year is is uh, it's coming quick, fast, in a hurry. The tournament, come say hi. Uh, so that's in March, and then uh, Rick's a fun guy. Rick is Rick is great. He runs a fantastic ship. Yeah, Rick Hoy is is a really great TO and a great great person. Absolutely. Um, and then immediately after that, let's see, that's in March, and then the very next month is a uh, Lone Wolf. So I'm I've got three tournaments, you know, staring down the barrel. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. You better get that army painted. Yeah, get those cowboys riding. Uh, yeah, I've got you know I've had a I had five ready for the five units ready for the table for the doubles tournament this past weekend and uh, everything else save for one ogre warlock. I mean, I'm using the Jesse ogre warlock for my Zazuzu uh, model, um, and that's the only thing left to get painted. Everything else is painted; just needs bases. So uh, it's it's right there. <laughs> it's almost done. Sounds like great. Well, let's take a quick commercial break, and on the other side, we'll get into our main topic: being colorblind and how it affects your hobby. We'll be right back. Hello, I am Daniel King, and I am the true one and only king of Texas, the Lord of Lone Wolf, and you are listening to Counter Charge. And we're back. All right. Um, I guess this is the part where I say thanks for joining us and listening to us colorblind folk talk about um, how we struggle through painting armies. <laughs> this is a topic that's really interesting because obviously I'm not colorblind, and I think maybe a place we start, maybe talk about what type of colorblind is it colorblindness that you have? Mm-hmm. I'm completely new to this topic. Okay. I'll tell you what colorblindness is. Basically, a colorblind person has more rods than cones in their eye. Their cones see uh, color and your rods see detail. So uh, a colorblind person can see more details and but less colors. So uh, I am 40% red green colorblind the red green is is pretty much what guys are some some guys are different but i mean that's a very large percentage i found out when i was 21 years old i know why i uh, flunked out of uh, high school biology class because i could never see the red michael mitochondria <laughs> they said powerhouse of the cell see that <laughs> no i cannot see that but I found it when I went to take a uh, driver's license uh, thing for a big truck, commercial driver's license in Texas. Uh, they said, hey, we can't pass you because you can't see colors. And I had to go to an optometrist and uh, get the optometrist to test me and decided that, no, you can still drive. It's uh, because of, but you have to pay attention to your lights real carefully. And you're only 40% red, green, colorblind. So that's, that's, my situation, how I found out, I've I've driven big trucks, and buses, and all kinds of things all my life. Not every job I had, but, you know, a lot. And uh, it's never been a problem with my work or anything like that. Uh, but you do have to pay attention because there are times when, uh, like, for instance, I could not be an electrician or something like that where, <laughs> where the color might get you lit up. You're not diffusing any bombs anytime soon. Uh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll leave that to Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Same question to you, Randy. Give us a sense of uh, your history. Uh, well, it's funny. He mentioned um, uh, you know, traffic lights and, and driving. My The first moment I realized there might be something wrong with my eyes. Uh, I, I was a kid. I don't remember how old, maybe somewhere around 10. I'm sitting in the passenger seat and we're at a red light. And I distinctly remember like saying to my mom who was driving, why is it called a green light if it's white? And she goes, no, it's green. 
I'm, but I'm like, but it looks white. What, what do you mean? And then come to find out later on in life, I am red, green, colorblind. And that, that explains it. And again, on the traffic light thing, I, I, Mark, I don't know if it's the same for you, but if, if I'm, I definitely pay more attention to the position of the light on oh, at yes. an intersection than I do yes. the color. And what will really trip me up is I grew up in the sticks. There's a lot of like four lay four way intersections uh-huh. with just one flashing light. Right. And it, it's not a three on the tree. It's just the, the one solo light. And I wouldn't be able to tell if it was red or if it was yellow and had to, I had to look for an accompanying stop sign. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if it's middle of the day and there's a stop sign. Great. If there's, if there's not a stop sign, well, I'm just going to keep on going whether the light, light's red or yellow. In general, there's no one else out here anyway. So <laughs> here I am just casually admitting to traffic crimes. It's a funny thing because in some states, it's okay to have the lights across. Mm-hmm. And in some states, they're up and down. Right. Arkansas is up and down. Uh, Missouri, I believe, is across. And that can throw you for a loop if you're not careful. Yep. It's just, you know, the top one or you go left or right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a challenge. Um, I don't think I've ever ran a light, maybe one in my life because, and my brother corrected me and said, Hey, you just ran a red light. And I said, Oops. <laughs> Oops. It was late at night and there were a mm-hmm. lot of other lights around. And uh, I think that's the only one I've ever had trouble with. For sure. And I guess this is a probably a good point to uh, point out. Colorblindness is not grayscale. I feel like that's a common misconception. Yeah. Is if it's like, oh, you're colorblind, what color is this? It well, that's blue, or you know, whatever that particular color may be. We don't see in grayscale. That's that is a thing. That's a that's a possibility, but that's much more rare. Um, I've got that actual mm-hmm. bit in the notes somewhere here. Achromatopsia or achromatopsia, that's about affects about one in 30,000 people viewing in total grayscale. Uh-huh. The you know, colorblindness in and of itself is much, much more common. It's about one in 12 men. That's crazy right. to me that, that, that it's that common. A lot of people don't know. There's dozens of us. There are dozens of us. <laughs> <laughs> we have 1,200 people on the Facebook page for Countercharge. A so hundred of them, roughly. A hundred of you. Yeah, are colorblind. A hundred. Yeah. I knew a man. Uh, that had total colorblind mm-hmm. and uh, it was interesting to see how he showed up for church and what, what he wore and stuff like that. His wife had to pick out most of his clothes for him. I'm so glad my wife isn't colorblind. It makes <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm not colorblind and my wife still picks out my clothes for me. So it's, it's fine. It's great. It's, it's, a, it's a great boon. I'll get the, the up and down look The no, you can't No, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going out with you like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's the world I'm familiar with. <laughs> So, Mark, how does how does your colorblindness affect you outside of the hobby? Um, I know we talked, we touched a little bit on traffic and whatnot, but is there any other uh, bits in your day to day that it comes into play? There's a lot of things that uh, let's go see the fall colors is a, is one of my favorite things. Uh, my wife uh, or, or someone will say, "Let's go see the fall colors," and I'll say, "Oh yes, let's go see those," and uh, we'll go driving around. Oh, isn't that tree pretty? Oh yes, it's beautiful. It, it's just amazing, and I'll just go along with it. And this this happened for thirty years before she realized. I she she all of a sudden, can you see those colors? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know what. But uh, you know, a lot of folks will just have a. I just play along, you know, it's like, isn't that beautiful? Uh, 
you know, it's it's too tiresome to uh, explain that you're colorblind all the time. Exactly. It's a lot easier to just smile and nod than it is to, you know, go, well, actually, I am colorblind. And, and I'm, I'm the same way with, like, the, the changing of the leaves and the colors and uh-huh. uh, nature uh, along those lines. Is it is it like a gradient for you? You see just kind of an earthy tone scale, uh, like, from one end to the other? Like, that looks reddish, greenish, brownish, like, amalgamation of things. Yes, I can. There's a lot of times that I, it depends on the light, mm-hmm. how I see things, and I don't worry about it too much. I mean, it's not really that important. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I'll tell my wife, <laughs> and people say, well, that's beautiful. Well, it may be beautiful, but I can't tell, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Looks like a tree. <laughs> Uh, it's a nice tree. Yes, it is. Look at the yeah. form. The branches come out just great. The leaves are leaf colored and the tree is tree colored. <laughs> they, will, they will fall one day and be on the ground and I will have to rake. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of, you know, it's, you know, just saying, uh, playing along, so to speak, and uh, agreeing with somebody or uh, to avoid letting them, making it be about me and saying, well, you know, I can't tell. What difference does it make? You know, I don't, I ever do that. I just say, oh yeah, it's pretty. I often wonder what am I missing? Because I know, I I see a slight variation in colors there. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, that one, that one could be a bright yellow. It could be a bright green. That one could be a dark green. It could be a dark brown There with some reddish tint in there. So I understand there's a variation of color and I see a slight variation, but everyone, I, I know everyone talks about, oh, it's, it's so vibrant and rich fall colors and this, that, the other. Yes. And to me, it just looks like a tree. Like, <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it yeah, besides it's that. It's a wonderful tree. It makes me like wonder, what am I missing? Like, I, I, who knows? <laughs> I've just adapted, I guess. Uh, yeah, well, that, and that's what we do. We adapt those glasses that they have that uh, some people, that help some yeah, people see yeah. colors. I've tried those on and, I, and they don't do anything for me. I didn't see anything extra. That kind of um, confirms everything I've heard about them before, too. I've heard, like, because you'll see the the viral videos and whatnot on and immediately bursting into tears. And I think that's hammed up for marketing. Um, everything yes. I've heard from other colorblind folk go, these don't work as advertised. It's, yes. you might see a little bit differently, but it's not, you won't see the vibrancy that you're expected to see based on those advertisements. Goggles on yeah. your face. Like, Oh, I can see everything. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I know. it's a, it's a challenge uh, to, you know, when you're talking about seeing what other people see and, and definitions are mm-hmm. a problem. Because if she says or someone says that's a vibrant red, all you can do is agree with them. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I don't ever argue with my wife about colors or with, you know, anybody that says something's a color. I just smile and say, yeah, it looks great. You know, that's the color it is. I did the same thing through my, uh, I, I, I'm a video editor um, for uh-huh. the local ABC affiliate here in Dallas. And I know colorblind video ad- editor sounds a lot like Amish hacker to steal a joke from yeah. Robin Williams. <laughs> it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> but uh, through college, I had a, I had a post-production class and we were doing color correction um, where we would take just a neutral, like a, a, a piece of video that was shot in the neutral color scale. And then we had to go in and correct it and bring the, the vibrant colors out and whatnot. So I knew the methodology of how to make it look acceptable and presentable. And then when we would review like 
everyone's work in class, someone would say to me something like, oh, I, I love how you brought out the reds in that barn there. And I'd go, thanks. I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, I was just – I was following the, the steps like, okay, here's step one is you do this Politically. with the lower tones. You do this with the midtones, yada, yada. <laughs> like it's very just uh-huh. – by the book and very rote and uh, you know rudimentary, <laughs> but the uh, the the more what's the word I'm looking for? Not avant garde. The more esoteric things like oh, I love the reds in this image. Oh, me too. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm glad we agree. Um, <laughs> the future is an artist. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Does it affect like the way you see? movies or, or television or uh, you know anything along those lines, do you feel like you're missing something in, in that or? Well, most of the movies I think are pretty good. I don't, I haven't noticed anything odd about, you know, somebody saying, well, this is a certain color and I hadn't seen it. I'll tell you when um, they came out with the first 3d movies, I had a lot of trouble with the goggles. They would give me headaches. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what those goggles did was adjust things and they were not designed for red green people uh, no people i don't think so with color blindness but now the more modern goggles that they have i haven't had any trouble with but the ones that they first came out with uh i just couldn't wear them i'd have to watch the movie without the 3d right and the the modern 3d is it's different i could go on a long tangent that's what i get for having a film degree uh it, it just seems more like a sharper picture than it does right. a like the this classic trope of here's something coming out of the screen uh 3d mm. but i i don't and plus a lot of modern cinema and television shows everything's very like brown wash isn't the right word i don't think but it's just very dark like in general i suppose so it's mm. there's not a lot of Outside of like the Marvel movies, there's not a lot of vibrancy in 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 modern things. I I don't find that might be why I like the mod the Marvel movies and not much else. <laughs> Could very well be. Could very well be the case. Um, this, right. Um, do you so do you use colorblind modes in different um, like me? I know there's some for like on on televisions or more specifically like in different video games. I don't use have them colorblind on televisions settings. now. Mm-hmm. I, I used to play World of Tanks a lot. And they yeah. had a colorblind mode that worked very well. I mean, it lit the screen up for me. Um, and uh, now I played some other ones that didn't do anything. I couldn't tell any difference. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if the one in World of Tanks was just very specific for my situation. For somebody that's like 40% red grain. Mm-hmm. But it worked very well. I mean, I thought I felt like I could see better than anybody on the battle. I'm gonna have to go back and try that. I played World of Tanks for a little bit, and I didn't try uh-huh. the colorblind mode because I was kind of over the colorblind modes. Heavy air quotes by that point because I've I've never uh-huh. found one that works for me. Like there's some that have presets based on. Of them. There's some that have presets based on what type of colorblind you are. There's some that are more in depth and you can adjust it like on a sliding scale, but none of those ever looked right. Like there were some that had, it had like a, everything now had a blue tint to it and it looked wrong or everything had a green tint or a, you know, a yellow tint. Like this doesn't fix the problem. This is a, this is a bandaid on the wrong thing. It's like, I have a cut on my yes. finger. Let's put a bandaid on your cheek. It's yes. like, it doesn't, that, that doesn't work. It wasn't, it was um, a, an afterthought, not a, it wasn't made with colorblind people in mind. It was a, we have a, we have a product, a game and some people might have an issue. 
let's put a filter on it and see if that fixes the problem and we'll ship it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I've seen the ones that turn everything blue mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that is very disturbing. I just turned that off. World of Warcraft um, was the last one I remember that did that. Yeah, I, I, I got so. back into it for a little bit of time uh, about a year or two ago and I started futzing around with the colorblind modes going, this is, this is terrible. <laughs> like this is just a blue filter over the, over the thing. Um, I'd much rather just see it in its natural state. And sure, I may be missing a twinge of the vibrancy, but mm-hmm. at least it doesn't all look bluish. Like it looks like yeah. as it's intended. I'm just it, personally it missing disturbing. out on something. Yes. Very disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> like dwarfs shouldn't be that color. Those were that's night elves. No. <laughs> that's very true. Very yeah, very, very true. Uh, I suppose we should probably talk about how we actually hobby for a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, how do you approach a, a painting session um, as far as you know wor- working with the color blindness in mind? Like, what's your what's your planning ahead of time? I try, and what this is this is something that works real well for me is is I when I'm working with reds and greens and browns and oranges, you know, all that spectrum. I'll start with the base color and then I'll take it to my wife. <laughs> okay. I've done the same thing. Does this look green to you? What color is what color is this? To the arbiter of truth. Yes. What color is this? Is it and, and my wife? This is a good example because this is from earlier in the week. What color is this? And uh, it says on the bottle, it's camo dark green, and that's exactly what I want. Okay, I'm starting to paint some lizards and then see what that. And she said, no, it's gray. And I said, well, okay. It says on the bottle, camo dark green. I can read very well. <laughs> the reading is fine. It's the rest of the eyes that don't work. <laughs> the reading is fine. It's the eyes that don't work. And I could argue with her. You know, what I did was just paint over what I'd had, you know, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. planned on using it as a base anyway to make sure that everything had a good green start. And a, a dark gray did not bother me that much before I went to a lighter gray, green that I could, I can see the difference in the green. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, it's just a, let's see here. I don't know. It's a, it's a goblin green that I'm starting to paint over them. Seeing the difference in the greens and working with them over time, you know, I just have to go and say, okay, is this working? Is this not working? And, and have to be really humble about it, you know, because I just can't tell. And that has really helped me being more willing to go to my wife and say, fix it or tell me what to fix. <laughs> what color is this? It's helped my painting scores a lot. <laughs> <laughs> my painting, I, I got uh, second best appearance, not this year at uh, Bayou, but the year before. And it was all about my wife fixing my painting uh, scores and uh, all the things I did to the bases. And that, and that is another aspect of it. You don't pay as much attention to the colors necessarily. You, you pay more attention to like my bases are pretty elaborate. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, two or three different materials and, and uh, a lot of different glues. And I try to do a lot of different things on my bases so that they stand out a little bit. Um, as opposed to painting four or five different shades of green and then inking them and painting them again, whatever, you know? So I emphasize, I guess it's more of an emphasis on other things that 
I'm better at. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. Keep the painting simple and uh-huh. then you can you can be more creative in other aspects of the unit or the right. army as a whole. Mm-hmm. Because then you're you're when you've got a forty thousand foot view looking at the entire army, then it looks you know it looks complete. It looks together. Um right. And that's what I've been having to tell myself uh, as well, because like a genius, I'm red, green, colorblind, and my dwarf army is primarily green. So set myself up for failure from the start. Uh, <laughs> but then Whoa. surprisingly, at, at King of the Monsters this past year, I was looking at the, the, the paint scores after all was said and done. Oh, yeah. And I was sixth overall in paint. I went, okay, either I do know what I'm doing or somebody here is, is – Stupid. <laughs> I probably voted for you. <laughs> Randy, to be fair, your army is very pretty. And when well, you told you. me you were colorblind, I was like, well, how does that happen? <laughs> I'm like, does he pay someone? Does he paint? You know, no. how, how, yeah. It's it great. It's all it's very regimented. Um, like I I establish my my color scheme ahead of time. I have to ID, like looking at my what paints I've got. Um, mm-hmm. and going, okay, I want this to be my midtone or my main color. What do I want my shadow to look like and find a color that is in my head sounds like it would be close to that and what my, what I want my highlights to be and go from there. Um, so just very basic one, two, maybe three colors in terms of a, a, a shade, a gradient um, and going from there and keeping everything very regimented and um, paint by numbers isn't the right word, but it's, it's the best descriptor I can think of. Um it, yeah, everything's got to be just – it's – I like to be very precise and I don't deviate from like, oh, I have this army green or my I'll, – I'll use – I use army painter paints. So elf green right. is what the main green is for my my dwarf army. Uh, right. I highlight it with um, – uh, actually, I think I highlight it with the elf green again after I put a wash over it. But there, okay. I don't leave – I don't do any sort of – variation or experimentation it's okay this is the angel green is the base or they'll do the elf green on top of it i'm not going to try and do this jungle green or this goblin green on this like that's not you can I'm not get gonna, in a lot of trouble exactly then you get into trouble <laughs> and you go why do your why does your army look neon uh like what's well, what were you thinking um you'll miss and, a spot yeah you'll miss you a don't. spot I um I guess the best I should probably use the Reaper triads. Yeah, I was just gonna ask you guys. You know, that's what I use, and I'm not colorblind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just yeah. use it because it pre. I mean, it literally gives you. You want to paint red or auburn? Use these three paints. You know, exactly. Your, there's your, your there's your shadow, your, your mid tone, your highlight. Exactly right, and it's like boom, boom, boom. Yep. So I, when I first got it. into this thing, I was like, I didn't know the Reaper triads existed, so I was just kind of winging it. And I didn't want to, you know, change up the picture while he was hot, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Didn't want to pull him from the game. So I just kept, you know, doing the same thing. And then with, so like for the yellows, which is my secondary color in the dwarf army, it's, I use the demonic yellow. I will highlight with, uh, then I'll give it a wash. I'll highlight with the same one or the moon dust, which is the next one up. Um, or if I'm really trying to, you know, go full bore on a, on a paint job. I'll, I'll start with the base desert yellow, then highlight demonic yellow, then go moon dust and just keep those same three No, Very little experimentation. Once I've settled on something, I keep it, you know, all nice and tidy and neat. Cause then that's one less thing I have to think about 
you know, the paint schemes accounted for at that point. I don't have to worry about how does, how is this going to look if I try it this way? Cause I'm not going to know. It's, <laughs> it's just, I think that's your looking nice and pretty that you were talking about. They could very well be the case. <laughs> they could very well be the case. And I guess to that point, Mark, do you feel like your creativity is, is hindered at all? Or do you, do you feel boxed into anything? There are times when I would like to be very creative to, to, to answer your question, but the risk and reward <laughs> It's not necessarily you have somebody laugh at your paint job. I mean, yeah, <laughs> or laugh at what you and see. That's why uh, having a, a backstop, a person that really knows colors and paints and stuff like like I have, works really well. I can take it to her and she can look and say, "No, this is not right. You got to do it this way." Before I get before thirty guys that are my peers. Uh, and uh, they say, they just smile and say, well, lasting paint, you know? So yeah, it looks great. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They do like, you, I do you get the pity trees, votes, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay. Um, I think that, uh, I would love to be more creative. Um, but, um, there, the risk, like I said, I painted, um, uh, some zoobs one time in a, in a civil war zoobs mm-hmm. and, um, they were supposed to be Native Americans uh, 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 from, uh, and I used a green and I, and I would have sworn it was a red. And uh, <laughs> you had Ninja Turtles. To my, huh? <laughs> you had Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Ninja Turtles. And they, uh, I showed them to my wife and I'm talking, this is a lot of work, 15 millimeter zoobs, you know? And uh, um, she says, no, and those guys look like orcs or something, a goblin, some kind of <laughs> goblins or something like that. And uh, I was trying, and I felt so disappointed. You know, I just, I don't even know where the models are anymore. I put them away. But, you know, you get out there on a limb and, you know, some, and you try things. Uh, I'm, I'm a very go for it kind of person. So I will try to find, uh, you know, to do unusual things or with mixing paints and stuff like that. But like I said, you've got to have a backstop, somebody that looks at it and says, before it gets in, in public view, uh, you got to have some place to uh, have it studied so that you can fix it yeah, <laughs> and not I, go too far before you fix it. Like 30 figures or yeah. figures. <laughs> and, oh, that doesn't look good. Uh, uh, my uh, depth horrors on my, uh, Trident Realms, I had to repaint because mm-hmm. I, I got going really hot and heavy on the green. And then my wife said, no, those are the wrong color. <laughs> so I had to re- completely repaint two uh, hordes of uh, depth horrors. And they, they look deep. I tend to tread lightly when I'm trying something new as well. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious, though. Is there a tool you guys can use? to take a picture of what you've painted and have it color corrected so you can see it? Uh, nothing that does it automatically. I mean, I, I suppose you, you could, I mean, the closest well, to that is taking a picture it? and sending it to people. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you can't see red, you can't see red. Right. Mm-hmm, I just didn't mm-hmm. know if there's a way to like make it so you could kind of see the highlights better. Or, I don't know. I'm stupid here, guys. Whatever you got, you know, that's why this you guys, you guys are educating me. I can see details just fine. You know, I can put it up under my little uh, light that's got, I've got like a jeweler's light to look through to paint and it magnifies and, and I can see those details down to the T. 
It's just that if you get lost in the colors, I mean, I just have to take it to somebody that can see it and hope that they're right. Yeah. You just got to trust them at that point. Yeah. Well, and, and my wife's a landscape architect and she paints and she draws and she does all kinds of things with colors. So she's a pretty safe bet. Uh, Naturally. Yeah. She doesn't just laugh. You know, that, that, that's an advantage. <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine will. My, my <laughs> You're still laughing. <laughs> her, you know, it's, it's funny. You say you'll go to her and say, what color is this? That's her favorite game to play. And she'll come to me oh. and go, what, what color is that? <laughs> we could be sitting at a red light and she'll point at a car and go, what color is that? Oh, I get car that colored, honey. <laughs> yes. it's, uh, I, I'll take my best guess. Uh, and my kids have learned to do it now. And, and that's kind of just, but, uh, <laughs> Rob, to your to your credit, to your credit, Rob, what you were asking about the um, like taking a photo of something. I know there's a couple of YouTubers that have have experimented with taking a photo of the model with just lit how they wanted it to be displayed before they ever paint it. They'll take a photo in that lighting, take it in, take that picture into Photoshop, and crank down the uh, the contrast so you see this full depth of value. So you have a you have a black and white photo. But the the it, it's a better representation of the light volumes you're looking at. So then you can use that to base your highlights. But that is a bit of a, a workaround uh, at the end of the day. But that sounds that sounds interesting. I might try that sometime. <laughs> I might do that too. It's a bit bit more intensive than I'm looking to do. But I've, I've wanted to try it for a bit. Is it a safe bet, Mark, that you're like me and you're you're relying more off of the the names on the bottles? I know you mentioned before oh, you yeah. like, this is dark camo green. Yes, uh, I can tell. There's a shades Mm -hmm. i mean this shade is different than this shade but whether they mix or not whether they go together yeah whether one can be the highlight of another one my wife will say no that's got too much orange in it or that's got too much of this in it Mm -hmm. or too much gray and this one doesn't have that gray in it or this will have this in it and that you could be going for a grim dark look and you end up looking like have something looks like a comic book (laughs) Yeah, yeah um it's um the challenge is is the the shading and the mixing and stuff. The basic colors, okay. If I'm just going to paint it blue and yellow, that that would not be a problem. Mm-hmm. But if I'm trying to shade something, it's a challenge to get in there with the right colors and uh, do something with green or or and red for sure. Whether it goes high or low, whether you go from low and and how it's mixed and stuff like that, and uh, I just cannot trust myself to make those decisions. I'm, I'm the same way. I've got, I have my paints roughly organized by color <laughs> in my, mm-hmm. in my, uh, in my uh, paint box, but I, I very much rely on what it says on the bottle. Yes. Like I'll like desert yellow. That's okay. That's a dark yellow, demonic yellow. That's going to be a vibrant mm-hmm. kind of highlighter yellow type thing. Leather Brown is leather Brown. Oak Brown is Oak Brown. Mm-hmm. I know GW has a color that's like XV 88, that tells me nothing. I don't know what that yes. is. <laughs> that could be a brown. It could be a red. It could be, you know, anything along that spectrum. Uh, same with, I have a, an army painter one called Necromancer's Cloak. I think it's a purple. <laughs> but again, it doesn't, that label tells me nothing. Now, have you been tested by an optometrist? Oh, my optometrist loves when I come to visit. <laughs> that's oh, his. I mean, that's his favorite part of the exam. Is you're, are you still colorblind? Here's the dot test. Yes, I am. Yes, I am, Doc. Thanks it? for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't change. It, it's like, no, it, it doesn't. You take him in the woods and say, "Do you see that snake?" <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just it. He probably see the snake before I did because no, you're colorblind. <laughs> uh, 
that's that's the advantage is that you see the details. I would wonder whether whether you're a little whether you're a little further along on the spectrum than I am. I I think maybe I don't I have no idea whether you're sixty percent or twenty percent. But the optometrist told me I was forty percent, and that's been a long time ago. And I don't think it's changed. I'm not I'm not sure if I know. A I think percentage. you're born. I think mine's always just been a a checkbox yes no like there's never been a uh, a number to quantify how effed up my eyes are <laughs> well they needed that because i was i was trying to get a commercial driver's license right uh i guess they wanted to know for sure that i could see the driver the lights and stuff like that uh, mm-hmm. but uh yeah that's the degree the amount of degrees that you can uh say make probably makes a difference for sure i mean i I can tell a purple as sometimes over a blue, but not all purple and not all blue. Yeah, I I've, I feel that it's the same for me. I'll, I'll I will you put them next to each other, I'll see a difference, and if you give me a beat, I'll tell you which one's which. Uh huh. But if you have just the one shade up, all right, I will struggle to tell whether it's a blue or a purple. You need something like almost like a calibration. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a calibration. I need something. I need a a, a control to compare it to. Exactly to, right. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's a good control. Point. That's the right answer. When you guys can you guys tell? Like you know, for me, it's always like you know, these are warm colors. These are cool colors. I mean, are you guys able to to make that distinction? I am not. Like I could look at something and go, okay, that's that's cool. Like on the whole, not as a you know, warm colors are going to have a little more red in them, whereas cool colors might have some more blue in them. I don't know what you're talking about. He, the way he finds out is he asks his wife. Right. My 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 solution to warm or cold is whether I, after I tell my wife, you know. There you go. Uh, no, after I ask my wife, uh, I have no idea. I, and I've heard that all my life, and I have no idea what that. Is. I, I think I understand it when I see it on the whole. But if you just show me like, here's a here's a pale yellow. Um, mm-hmm. If I knew what it was beforehand, I'd say that's a that's a cool yellow. Um, mm-hmm. But I need to see it. Again, going back to the control, I need to see the 40,000-foot view, the army, the unit as a whole to tell if it's a cool color scheme or a warm color scheme and can go from there. But as far as like, oh, this is a cool – or this is a, this is a warm reddish brown, um, mm-hmm. great. It looks brown to me. It, uh, it's, it looks vaguely brownish. Like I couldn't tell you whether it's a reddish brown or a chocolate brown or a coffee brown or any of those other minutia. It just looks brown. Uh-huh. Um, and that's going back to everything regimented before I kind of just have to, you know, keep it along a very, very controlled gradient or variable there for that. Right. One of the things I do a lot when I'm painting or getting ready to start an army, and this is obviously not going to work for you, Mark, because half the stuff you won't be able to see, but it's a color wheel, right? And if you use uh-huh. a color wheel, it'll tell you your primary color, your complementary color. If you want to do split complementaries, and then I'll just take like, I'll, I'll paint like on a white card the color and then I'll kind of like, because you know, you look at this thing and you're like, well, how does that match to a reaper paint? Well, I'll take the reaper paint and, make, and, and kind of hold it up and find it. I guess what I wonder is if you did something like this, where you painted a sample of the paint on a card and I, even if it was red or green, you can't see it. Would you be able to, to, to find on the color wheel where it matches or do they all like, do, I guess what I'm trying to understand is do all greens kind of look the same to you or all reds kind of look the same to you? Or can you tell the difference between, that, like a dark green versus a light green. Can you see that difference? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Because that gets more into the the values or the hue of that specific color. 
But so going to the color wheel thing and touching on color theory for a bit, looking at a color wheel and just taking it at face value for what it's worth and seeing what colors are complementary, which colors work good together when you're trying to find a color scheme, that's great. And I can start from the beginning if I think, okay, cool, I want my next army to be blue and orange. I can refer to the color wheel on that and see what a good tertiary color might be for supplement and then just take it at face value um, as for what a, as far as what a neutral you know third color might be and then I just have to kind of trust color theory in in vague generalisms and pick out paints that fit that vague idea for, and go from there like you know it's a, it's a very long workaround to to get to the final result do sometimes do you guys just pick colors that you can see? Like, hey, I'm going to paint this new army, but I'm going to stay out of the range that I can't see. I like real bright colors. I I, I had a night army when I, I did Bretonians when I played Warhammer. And that was a color scheme I could understand. You know, uh, you know, you had knights and they had very specific rules. The rules for their colors were very specific. And I could understand those. Um, and I could do those colors. Um, some shading, I did some shading, but not very much, but very bold, you know, out there. And I could do spirals on the lances and things like that. And other things, like I said, to distract from the fact that I only, I didn't have any highlights or, or only had one highlight. For, for me, it's not so much, I'm going to avoid a certain color. It's I'm going to stick to my predetermined color palette. Um, mm-hmm. again, going back to the whole, I want to keep it regimented and this is, these are the rules. <laughs> this is the, this is how I'm going about this. This is how this, I'm going to succeed. Mm-hmm, this is, this is it. And that's this color scheme for this army. It's very, I suppose it's minimalist to an extent. I'm not going to be experimenting much with, uh, oh, let's, let's, let's do like a purple wash in the shadows and the recesses and give like, it gives that extra contrast that I've heard content creators talk about before. I'm not going to do that. It's uh, I might end up having a Barney, the dinosaur looking dwarf warrior <laughs> if yeah. I tried something like that. So I, it's not so much that I'm, I'm actively avoiding things because I, I can't see them. I will see the difference in the color variation. I'm more so adhering to the rules I set for myself um, at the outset, if that makes sense. You know, a lot of times when I'm painting, like I, like I, like I may have some certain colors picked out, I'll paint it and I'll just know whether it works or not. Like I'll just go, yeah, it's not, it's a work. Strip it, start over. Or I'm just going to go, Ooh, that's pretty good. That's pretty tasty. All right. That's mm-hmm. we're going to do more of that. So I guess I, I, I'm curious, like when you guys are done with a paint job, I mean, are you able to evaluate it? I mean, or are you just, you're just taking what other people tell you? I usually just go for, Hey, looks good enough for me. It's, it's good enough for the tabletop. I'm not playing with, you know, a pile full of gray. It great, satisfactory. And I'll, you know, I'll see you on the bottom tables. Uh, and then when I go to Alamo and have Ryan Smith judge my paint, then I'll, I'll see where I stand and, you know, readjust from there. You know, you know what you need to do? You need to be like, Hey Ryan, I really don't like the way you do, you don't paint. You're not really, uh, you know, I have a handicap and uh, I really think you should, uh, <laughs> hey, you should help me with that. I tried to get that. And it didn't work. I tried to get a handicap score. Yep. <laughs> I, I accepted a long time ago that I am not going to be able to paint like Ryan Smith or Hank Googe or, you know, a, a plethora of other guys. I just got to, I'm just going to be okay with how it looks six feet from my eye. Good thing you're such a, uh, you're, you're such a tactical genius on the table. Oh yeah. Cause it makes up for all of the, uh, you know, the, the painting. 
Oh, real tactical genius. My game's finished so fast. Oh, man, you wouldn't believe. All that extra time to drink. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's right. right. You wouldn't believe how fast I put models back in the case. They're my own models, but you wouldn't believe the speed with which they go in there. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, I think I lasted 30 minutes against Aaron the other day, or a couple of tournaments back. Oh, I feel like we all have an Aaron Chapman story. I was at Shadow Slaughter a few years ago. He just raffle stomped me hard. Show us on the battle report where the Aaron Chapman hurt you. I, I the only the only time I've beaten his My Little Pony army is when someone else played it. <laughs> Otherwise, it just uh, that's the army he wore me out with. Uh, he played the My Little Pony at Bayou. Uh, it hurts, man. It's when you're when you're speed four dwarfs. I don't want to. I don't want you in my deployment zone on turn two. Stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so I, I don't. Do anyway. you do you follow a lot of or do you do you seek out a lot of different? Um, like painting guides from YouTubers and, and things along those lines, Mark? I've looked, I read them and, or I've watched the videos on uh, YouTube and stuff about painting different things and and marveled at what uh, other people can accomplish. Uh, When I get under the lights and I start doing what I do, it tends to be, like I said, more detail oriented. Uh, I love getting in and painting a little belt on a, on something and, and working the, the clasp and the, the little thing. But as far as the highlights go, I mean, you know, it's, it's wonder if I can get two highlights on something, I'm excited about that. Right. <laughs> you, you might, if you haven't checked him out before, um, you might want to look at a, a guy named midwinter minis, um, on uh-huh. YouTube. Okay. He is he is colorblind, um, and he he sits really? out a yeah. He's in one of his video series. I think he paints a whole bunch of the Blackstone Fortress stuff. But at the outset uh-huh. of that, he established a like a basic like fourteen color set of paints for a palette, and he used he used just those fourteen colors for the entire. Like he painted one unit from every Black Zone Fortress thing, right. and it was like really easy to follow. And because he, he he wasn't getting caught up in the minutia of we're going to wet blend this color and this color, it's we're going to take our blue that we've already set and we're going to base coat that. Then we're going to use our wash and we're going to highlight like mix this color from the palette and this one, and that'll be our highlight. Like it's very simple and regimented, and um, I've liked a, like I like a lot of work. stuff. Simple yeah, it works good. really well. He gets really good results. Um, he's uh-huh. actually doing a series right now where he's painting an entire like uh, what is it the the Titan the Forge World uh, uh-huh. the the like forty k. Yeah, like the fourteen hundred dollar. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Warlord Titan. That's what it is. The Warlord Titan. The the big thing. It's like you know as big as my head or you know bigger. Um, but he's he's painting that and it looks amazing. Uh, so I know what my I, I know that it's something us colorblind folk can do. I just I don't have the patience to do that, and I don't run a YouTube channel, so I'm not required to <laughs> make everything look that pretty for a monetary game. Definitely gain. check him out. Support the colorblind, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Give us our um, handicap. Yeah, we got to stick and together. A, at least a twenty percent <laughs> handicap. <here. laughs> um, another video that that stuck out to me um, is Vince Venturella. Um, he does a lot of really good technical videos, and the, I, those uh-huh. still work for me because they're more the technical aspect versus the color theory um, mm-hmm. type approach. But one of his videos that he was doing 
one of the oh shoot what's the the new not fantasy like it's the single uh because it's not a it's not a large-scale battle game it's a skirmish game that they had like from gw from gw yeah war cry war cry it was one of the war cry sets and he was painting up like a little vampire hunter that was covered in different leathers and textures and a bunch of different garb but the best advice i took from that was because his he was setting out to to paint leather in a bevy of different ways and still look you know pleasing to the eye but his the the one takeaway i got from it was keep your light colors and your dark colors separate like put all if you've got if you're highlighting or you're if you have a piece of your model that's or a detail that's painted a dark color the stuff around it needs to be light and vice versa so if he's got like a, a leather strap going across his chest the shirt underneath needs to be needs to be on the opposite end of the spectrum and that'll help the details pop more so I try to take that into each model. I don't want to have a dark color next to a dark color or a light color next to a light. I want to have that that variation so that what little bit of detail I am focusing on looks more vibrant just from the start. I was like, that's a that's a great little hack. I'm going to put that in my pocket and uh, yes. keep that one going there. And I've got I I think I have that specific video uh, in the the show notes. We can link that and or I'll put uh-huh. it in the comments so we have the folks can go see it. Vince's stuff is great. I'm sure everyone here has, or that's listening has, is familiar or has watched some of his stuff at some point. He's good. He's great. He's great. He's uh, fantastic. Fantastic stuff. It's like, it's very easy to understand too. Um, it's not, oh. he doesn't get caught up in the, the minutia of the, uh, the, the order of things or the, the, all the buzzwords and whatnot. It's like, here's, here's the right. process, which I, this is the theme here. It's a, a very, <laughs> very regimented. A lot of times you get to where um, our personalities are deal with, we deal with the problem very differently. You and I see, cause I just want to go crazy and you were trying to be regimented and I just try to do everything different and I'll paint 10 models and every one of them different. Right. And then I'll take them all to my wife and I'll say, which one worked? Okay. Yeah. You know, and I'm just the opposite. Crazy, you know, chaos, chaos. I live uh, with that. Just, it's just my attitude. Yeah. Let's let's see what works. Maybe that'll turn out really well. You know, for sure. Even for nine out of 10 times, I have to redo it. Right. And for me, it comes from a space of, I know if I do it that way, I'm going to do it over and over and over again. And I'm trying to save time. Like I want to get it the most efficient way possible from the start and be sure that I'm solid in my understanding of this process. So I can crank everything out um, and, and get it on the table quicker. Um, like that's, and that's, that's how I'm approaching it. Like that's how I make up for my, my, <laughs> my focal deficiency. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you guys like, so being colorblind, are you able to uh, turn it in into a, how do I say this? Are you able to leverage the factor colorblind to get other people to help you paint your stuff? <laughs> oh, I get out of painting anything. My wife will not let me paint the house. I mean, we're cleaning out my bedroom <laughs> right now. I do not have to worry about touching any of the paint. She, she trusts you with toy soldiers. Not so much. Uh... <laughs> I, oh, I get out of all kinds of stuff. That's awesome. I, no, I, I enjoy it. I don't think I'd, I'd find an excuse to get out of it unless it was a time thing. Um, like if I wanted, if I wanted something done quick, fast in a hurry, shoot, I'll, I'll call up 
Robert Zimmerman and Travis Cook in in Dojo, and and because they they started up doing commission painting and whatnot, and they do a fantastic job. So if I needed like something done, I'd I'd do that. But no, I, I want to paint it myself. I just want to be efficient and precise about it. And uh, well, before now, and everyone's going to know once they hear this. So I was like, I'm going to hide the fact I'm colorblind best I can. No one's going to know. Right. <laughs> hide my shame. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, do you find yourself using like the different? like paint, not paint guides, uh, like the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, like the, the paint comparison charts, like between different manufacturers, like the GW paints versus the army paint. This is the equivalent of this color in the different ranges. Yes. Yes. Do you find yourself using those or bouncing back and forth at all? I uh, use Vallejo paints unless Mm -hmm. I can find, there's something I can't find that I want. I want, I had a bone. I went and got a pot of blown, a bone from a GW because I couldn't mm-hmm. find the bone that I wanted from the Vallejo. That is about all I do. So you're, you're a Vallejo guy. What do you use, Randy? I use Army Painter still. Um, oh, yeah, that's, you said that. Sorry. I, that's, that's what I picked up when I got back into it. it. Purely from a price point. I knew nothing about the difference. It's cheap, and it, and it covers. It gets okay. the job done. Yeah. I'm like, I, right. I didn't know any of the pros and cons versus the other manufacturers. Because when, when I got when I came back to the tabletop, all I knew was GW and testers because that's what i was using in oh my gosh <laughs> when i was a kid at the end of the day as long as the paint range that you pick works for you yeah absolutely matters, right? i i recently picked up a couple of vallejo paints but they were like for specific instances and i knew that that was the color i id'd that i wanted to use but i i have used those um i've got a couple of them linked in the, the show notes uh different conversion charts for the different paint manufacturers uh, because I am using only the one range. I want to be sure I've got, I'm getting as close as possible to the, whatever color I want to use. If I'm following a guide from somewhere or, um, I'll give you the perfect example, uh, for Bayou this last year for my soccer player character, I wanted to paint my, I had, I ordered this dwarf model that's like chugging beer out of a, out of a trophy. And the tr- it looked like, it was like a, like a third party blood bowl bit because it had a football on the trophy i scraped that off filed it down because it's a soccer <laughs> uh-huh. and so now it's just a dwarf chugging beer out of a generic trophy and i wanted to paint his jersey just like the jersey of the player that i was right. using in the tournament so i went to <laughs> i went to the team's website found their color palette for all of their like uh marketing and their their uh um, advertising found their color palette for the jersey compared those two colors back to the conversion charts to see what was closest right. so I could see what I had in my available range, then went and painted his jersey like those colors and did it that way. So a big workaround just to get the, the jersey color right. And then for the beer, going back to the fact that I, I'm very much – I paint using the, the names of the paints. I don't have a paint that's just called beer. <laughs> I don't have like Hefeweizen yellow or, you know, lager gold or anything like that. I, <laughs> I've got, you know, I've got basilisk brown and, you know, things of those nature. Um, so what I ended up doing was I took a picture of a, a pint of beer, uh, specifically of right. Polliner Hefeweizen, <laughs> uh, like the full pint. And I sent it to a bunch of different friend groups and, and my wife and people, people that didn't paint people that did paint people that did the hobby. People that had no idea what the hell I was talking about. 
and I got a word cloud, essentially. I sent them the photo. I said, describe the color of this beer. Right. And I took all of their responses, went back to that conversion chart again, and started punching in like, oh, this one, this person described it as amber. Let's see what happens when I control F amber on this color yeah. palette and see what's closest to what I have. And, right. uh, and it, so, yeah, again, very long That's way nice. around to get to yeah. – uh, a basic like three color shadow midtone highlight for beer and beer foam, like, right. <laughs> and then that model won best soccer character at Bayou this year. So I guess I did yeah, something yeah, I right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, d- just to give you some insight into how how I work around the fact that my eyes don't work like they should, I have to take the scientific <laughs> approach and outsource some stuff and you know backdoor it, so to speak. <laughs> Well, that sounds like you did a great job. Well, I I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it worked, I guess. It's not crazy it works, if it works, works right? <laughs> yes. Oh, man. I had a line on a soccer ball. Right. So when you're when you're painting, do you do you keep do you have any tricks like to keep do you uh, to keep things orderly? Um like do you have to keep track of where you put your paints on your palette like in what order? No, I don't have too much trouble with that. Uh, remembering where things are and, and, and seeing, you know, I just don't, I only use one, one color at a time usually. Oh, using the one at a time. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that, uh, that way I don't have to worry about that. No, I've never ventured into doing three or four colors at a time. Uh, <laughs> that, that would be a challenge. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe I should go that route then. It's all in the time. On my wet palette with whatever I'm working with, and when I when uh-huh. I open a color and put some on the palette, I take and I uh-huh. I keep it everything in a line, <laughs> and I'll put the I'll put the bottle of paint on the other side of the palette to coincide with its position on the palette, and oh, just going right down. If I add a new color, it goes right next to it. So that way I keep track of what's what. Because after uh-huh. I've added you know three four colors, then it all starts to get a little fuzzy. Um, I go, okay, yeah. is that the, is that the green or the brown? One okay. That's time. the leather brown. That's not the elf green. That's, you know, I got to keep it in yeah. order. Um, and that helps over extended paint sessions. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I don't, I don't use the wet palette technique, but I only use one color at a time. Now my, yeah. So, um, that way I don't have to worry about getting lost because I will, I will get lost. I mean, it doesn't, matter i'll stick my paint in uh, my brush into something that if i have two or three things out i'll oh gosh no talk about that. <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster huh <laughs> yes, it is. yes it is um has is are there any examples of like um and i'm just going up back off to my notes here do you um have there been instances in games where like color blindness has affected you where you've had to oh, level goodness. with your opponent and be like hey man <laughs> this isn't what you've got isn't working for me well usually it's with dice mm-hmm. uh, uh somebody will uh throw out some dice that are green with red dots or mm-hmm. some kind of variation on that thing and i'll be real try to be real tactful if it's a friendly game it doesn't really matter i'll say oh yeah that's a good roll and keep on going uh, I've had that happen and a bunch of guys laughed at me later on when they figured out I was saying the same thing after every roll. Oh, no. <laughs> That's why I you're such a good sport, Mark. That's why you're such a good sport. <laughs> I couldn't tell at all. They found out your tell like it was a poker game. <laughs> it was all downhill yeah. for me at that point. Um, 
it didn't matter if he said, oh, darn, or, or uh, yeah, I did good. I said, oh, well, okay. Yeah. Tell me what to take off the table, you know. I, <laughs> I could not tell what he was rolling for anything. Oh, man. I suppose this is a good point to, to plug any high contrast dice. Yeah. That's it, that's good for everybody. High contrast dice. It's funny. These people that, like, we just had some cutter charge dice made, and I'm like, I'm look, I got some sample picks, like, because, you know, you look at the collars and you think it's going to work, and then you're like, yeah, that's, I can't even, that logo doesn't look good on that in this color. So I can imagine for you guys, like, are you guys looking for, like, white on black or black on white, like, real high contrast? Or I guess it's not a contrast thing as much as it's a color thing. Well, yes, I have a hard time with a red on a black, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, especially a dark red. It'll just disappear. Yep. yep. I can't see it at all. That goes back to the value oh. of the color, not so much the brightness of it. If it was like a, if it's a bright, you know, like yeah. fire engine red on a on a matte black, I'll probably still be able to see it. But if you get to like a darker red on like a neutral yes. black, it, then that's that clearance or that that clarity, sorry, starts to go away. It just disappears. So if it, it it needs to be like your pips in the dice need to be, and this is just coming from a colorblind perspective. This is from a like a friendly gamer perspective like right. everyone wants to be able to see it without question like it's just going to make the right. game go smoother it's hard to tell what it is if it's if you got to like scrunch down there and get close to be able to tell sure it. i want to be able to see from three feet away what does it say exactly and i think from a colorblind perspective for for me at least it's going to come down to the the value of the color there like it that it, it needs to be like if you're if your pips are dark the dye needs to be bright or, you know, vice versa. At at that point, the color to me at least isn't going to matter as much unless you're muddying up with like, here's a green and a brown or here's a blue and a purple. Like, don't do not do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like this one, white on like a silver. It's like, oh, yeah. I no. can't even see this. That's no man. good. That's no good. And then you've got here, you got a red with a gray. That's probably no good either. That right? was a little different. Yeah, the red with the gray is a little bit more difficult. This is probably the one that's maybe the most easiest to read. That one looks great. Yeah, so I can easily see that. And here's the thing you haven't said what color that is yet. So this is green. This is like a lime green with black pips. Mark, what color were you going to say it was? I was going to say green with black. I was going to say it was yellow. Okay. Very yellowish. And, and therein lies the rub. So, like, I'll, I'll see the I see the color and the, the difference there. But again, it goes back to the I don't have another control to compare it back to. I would not argue with anybody that told me it was yellow. Yeah, uh, agreed. I I would say it was green. I think that yeah that that green one and then the bottom two I are the 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 clearest to me. Right, these three. Yeah. What what uh, Mark and Randy are looking at are some dice pictures we got from Chessex. We're having countercharge char- counter charge dice. So we end up for for the ones where the, the primary. You we're going to go with these because I think that's the 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 easiest to read. And that's for my for me in my old age. That's what I need. I need to be able to see stuff. Well, I've got another old age on you <laughs> for sure. And since we're debuting these for this episode, we're getting we're getting sets of these dice, right? As <laughs> oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> after they, after they make them in eight weeks, but for sure. <laughs> No, those those are really cool, Rob. Those are that's exciting. Uh, dice are always fun, right? Especially yeah. dice you can actually read. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I had a large. Uh, I had a problem with some details too. When uh, you know if, but that's just old age. Uh, you know, because I am sixty five. I had Sisters of Battle dice that a, a 
a gentleman had at one of the games at uh, King of Monsters last year. And I had to, I mean, we were having a good time, but I said, hey, do you mind changing dice? I could not tell what he was rolling. He had something on the six and something on the one, and I I couldn't tell the difference. The rule is, put the symbol on the six and be done with it. Yep, you can't have you can't have one or the other unless they're like very obvious, like uh, like one says yay and one says like or something. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen those. Those are the work, and they have a word that I can read. Jose Vega has the has the D sixes that say that say on the one. Right. <laughs> Those are great. I can see that. There's there's one specific game that comes to mind for me where I had an, an issue with a, a player's minis. It's a no fault of his own. In a normal, non-colorblind world, his... Well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. He It was Justin May at uh, Samurai Showdown 21. So la- last year. Okay. And his army was great. He was running a alien xenomorph Night Stalker army. But he had four of the same unit as his main hammer. I don't remember which unit it was representing in the Night Stalkers, but it was four of that same unit. And the way he differentiated them was he had a different color around the the rim of the base for the, on on the on the on the model. But it was to the and like they all looked distinct. But when I'm looking across the table at them, I would lose track. Uh, and they were differentiated by what items they had on them as well. So I had to like make a physical note of which unit with which item was where, because I think his colors were like blue, purple, red, orange. Oh yeah, that's terrible. So I'm like, oh my goodness, that's the blue one could be the purple one or the blue one, and the red one could be the red one or the orange one, or or something along those lines. It was it was four color coded, and um, yeah, I had a rough time with it, so I had to make a physical note. And it not, he didn't do anything wrong. His army looked fantastic. He, it, it was a blast playing the game, but I was I was struggling for a bit during deployment going, oh, that's that's which one? Okay, that's, that's this one here. Make the note. And that's, okay, that's this one. Make this note with the brewer strength. Got it. <laughs> yes, the banana army uh, had the sim, uh, it was all bananas of the same that we played against. Oh, yes, at, at Bayou this last year. I can't remember who played it, but I saw it. Uh, the bananas were all the same. He 3D printed an army of bananas. Yep. All the same, except they had some little mark on them, and I couldn't tell anything. I didn't play against it, but I was looking from the side and trying to figure out what was what, and I never could. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't have to play against it. It looked, it looked fun. It was and, pretty comical, but. Yeah, and I think he he won one of the sports awards if I remember correctly. I would have loved to play him. It looked like a fun game, but I would have struggled yeah. with differentiating what was what for sure. <laughs> I think he had some little color mark on it. Oh no, <laughs> that was it. Another funny anecdote for that is like as far as it not affecting the game, but affecting what I thought was what. Um, I mentioned Robert Zimmerman earlier uh, when he got into the game. He was playing dwarfs as well. I was like, hey, great, cool. We got two dwarf players in Dojo. Don't call it a comeback. Here we, look, look at us. Here we go. Yeah, um, okay. But uh, we were sitting around chatting at, at Samurai Showdown that year. Uh, it was his first Samurai. And I made comment to the, to the table I was sitting with. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, how, how cool is it that we've got another dwarf player? And his color scheme for his dwarfs is the exact same as mine. And everybody around the table goes, no, it's not. His, his are red and yellow. You're, I went, no, his are green and yellow. What are you talking about? They went, no, Randy, here's a red and yellow. So I turned around and yelled at him across the room and like, Rob, what color is your army? And he goes, it's red and yellow. 
was like, oh my. damn it. <laughs> so for months, again. for months, I thought his army was the same exact color scheme as mine, just painted much better. <laughs> okay. Nope. I was wrong. <laughs> that red just looks better. And you found out now you are unique. Yeah. I am unique. Yeah. I am. <laughs> I'm wrong, but I'm unique. <laughs> That's what makes you unique. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Rob, did you have any more questions? I'm thoroughly enjoying you guys chatting about this because I think it's it's interesting because, I mean, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, you guys have a lot of extra steps that you've got to you got to plan for. There's some compensating we got to do. Yeah. Yeah. You got to you got to work <laughs> around this. Right. And, and so. Yeah. But what's interesting is I, I think in some ways, though, you know, it. it when you look at it, is there any benefits that are coming out of being colorblind? Oh, gosh. Mark, you want to take that one while I struggle to think of a benefit? <laughs> well, I, I'll go back to what to what I said colorblind is. I have more rods than cones in my eyes. I can see details better. That's that. I, I mean, I don't know if Randy's experienced this or not, but and this was a big advantage in Warhammer, and it's not as much in Kings of War. I can I can tell you down to a, a, a millimeter how far something is from something else, and, and a lot of it's playing a lot of games, I guess. But uh, on the old days when we had to guess artillery shots and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you didn't want to be under my artillery. <laughs> I remember that. I didn't, I didn't even play artillery. It wasn't even fun to blow everybody up all the time. Right. For for me, that was that was more of just the basic math of like, okay, we I we both deployed on the twelve line that unit. Well, you had your Pythagorean thing, you know, but go on. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying, I can see details pretty darn well, and um, a lot of times uh, that is an advantage. And uh, the, they say the reason that there are so many hunting uh, red green colorblind people is that it was an advantage in hunting. That's the reason guys are uh, more comfortable. And if you go you walk into the woods with me, I'll see a lot of things that other people will not see. I, I experienced this with my children when I was trying to teach them if they wanted to hunt or not. Take one out when they were little and things. And I said, well, you see that or you see this or different things. That, and they would not see them because they were silhouettes and uh, they were details as opposed to colors. You get uh, your normal people's eyes are, you know, whatever you want to call 50-50, I guess. But when you have eyes that uh, see details more, you learn to focus on that. And uh, so a lot of times I can s- see the distance or see some little silhouette of something that a lot of other folks would just pass over. I think I have a bone to pick with my optometrist now. But but to that to that point, I suppose when you're when you're looking at a model for the first time and start, you know starting the, the painting process, you'll you'll notice the the minor details a lot more, and you you'll, oh, you'll be able I to do. pick those out sooner. Yeah, all the little fun things that are on a model. The more intricate a model, the more I like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now I might not be able to paint it very good, but I love that model. <laughs> I know that feeling. That's that's what holds me back from painting. I'm like, this model looks so cool. I am not at this level. I'm going to put this away. I'm gonna put this away. <laughs> but that's not a colorblind thing. That's just a normal thing, right? Like yeah, we're all yeah. our own worst critics. 
Well, yeah, but I've also got that extra bit on there. I'm like, I'm going to paint this wrong. <laughs> I'm going to paint it green, and someone's going to say, no, it's and, red. And Ryan's going to berate you publicly. He will. I'm going to get flogged at the Alamo. It's like just drawn across well, the bar. <laughs> to me, in my day, it was Cody Johnson. He was the he, – it still is an amazing painter. I would look at him and Roy Egensberger and those guys and, and see their – paint jobs and oh yeah they're great they're great they're great i never could touch that i never did worry about it i I just tried to get stuff like you said earlier good enough for playing on the tabletop right and uh, of course i liked all my details of uh, highlighting the details but that's it I i think the one the one advantage i could settle on at least for me personally is you know i've beat it to death already tonight but the the because I know I'm colorblind and I know I'm not going to experiment, I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. keep everything – like I, I'm going to take color theory like to the rule. Like, okay, right. this this is my primary. That means this color is going to be my secondary and that's what I'm mm-hmm. sticking to and I'm not going to deviate or, or you know try to take any creative license. I'm going to go buy the book on that right. uh, and crank out this army and, and go from there. I suppose my advantage would be in – would be in that and making a process of it, making efficiencies of it. The way you've structured it. Yes. Yeah. A very structured approach. I was about to say scientific, but I think structured is the better way. Cause I don't, I don't think that's very scientific the way I approach it. <laughs> it. It is certainly structured. Well, I mean, I guess you could, what's the joke? The scientific method is, you know, just, <laughs> um, you'll have to put in the chicken sound effect, but it's the, the <laughs> around and find out that's the scientific yeah. method. <laughs> yeah. Well, you probably, your output though is, I think it might be well. Would you say that your output is more consistent? Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think so. There's not a lot of since I don't deviate and I don't do a lot of color mixing. I, I definitely think it's consistent from model to model, unit to unit. Um, and if I am doing mixing of any kind, I'm I've only recently started keeping a log of models and like how I'm painting them as I paint them. Uh, you know, oh, because for the last two years working on the dwarf army, I had that. I had that uh, color scheme down. I knew how I wanted to approach everything. Everything was a specific color. Cloth was green. Secondary cloth was was yellow. The the armor was uh, was a gold or a bronze. Weapons were silver. Uh, boots were brown. Like every like a place for everything and everything in its place was how I approached that army. Right. I had my specific base colors and specific highlights. And now that I'm painting something completely different, I've I've had to keep track of it as I go. Because I know the, the longer I, I get at this and I paint more armies and more units and more different things, I'm, I'm going to have to have that, that living log of how I'm doing things and mixing colors and, and my step-by-step. Because wow. otherwise, I'm, I'm going to forget it if I have to come back you know, in Kings of War 6th edition and I want to come back and play Abyss again or Dwarfs again and they've added something. Well, I need to add to my existing army. Let me whip out my handy-dandy notebook here and see how I did it to begin with so everything matches. Yeah. But I, I mean, maybe, maybe there's something else wrong with my head that I have to be so. <laughs> no, that's that's OCD a little bit. No, no, I, I do the same thing. I have a notebook. But <laughs> maybe a little very bit, yeah. impressive. Very suppre- impressive. I, I mean, I am totally on the opposite spectrum of that. But uh, that's very impressive to me. See, I, I've been playing long enough to where I just rebase my guys. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, if I was to match them, golly, it's like. And as for this upcoming tournament, if I can't get these salamanders done, I'll use Hunters of the Wild. And they'll be the dry, old dryads from um, uh, my old uh, Wood Elf army 
from back in the day. Uh, and I've already got them rebased for uh, Kings of War. And the basing looks great, but the models are questionable. Uh, because they're all kinds of grays and browns. And I, every model is different. And like I said, I'm the opposite. I have the opposite approach. I'm very chaotic. <laughs> and I just, my answer to anybody that says anything is, well, it's a tree. What do you expect? I mean, every tree is different. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brownish, greenish, tree-ish. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's what, tree. what do you want from me? <laughs> I'm going to slap you around and tell you I'm colorblind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's just, that's the way it ends up. You know, I, I'm a chaotic approach and, and trying to, to fix things years later, go back and say, well, okay, I'm going to, now I'm going to fix this and I'm going to go back over this whole army. It's very difficult. And to me, that just seems daunting. That's, that's, I think that's another reason I keep such a log of the way I'm doing everything is if, cause if I had to go do something over just the, the thought of like changing one detail in the entire army or changing one aspect of the entire army, it seems so daunting. Like I spend so much time, yeah. getting it table ready in the first place. I don't want to go back and do it again. Like I wanted to get, I want to get it right the first time or in as a little number of attempts as possible. Well, as, as Rob pointed out, uh, Rob pointed out earlier, I, I spend a lot of time playing with models, uh, painting and doing it. Uh, another, uh, the people at Etsy just love me. <laughs> I, and I order something all the time and, uh, got all these different models and I would be looking at something to paint two or three and say, Oh, that looks terrible. And, or paint two or three and say, Oh, that looks good. I'm going to have to run with that and find a place to put this unit. Like I said, I put a lot of time into it, but I don't value that time. Like a lot of people, I just figure I'm having doing my hobby thing. And I, it's, it's fun to just be here and doing that. And, uh, if, uh, I have to redo it. I just have to redo it. Say la vie. Yeah. Say la vie. I, that, that is a good, that's a summation of my approach. Say la vie. Say la, vie. <laughs> say la kings. Uh, <laughs> so say it la is. kings. There we go. <laughs> well, should we get into some of the listener questions and comments? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Sure, sure. If, if there's some that we hadn't touched on. Yeah. Well, a few a few of these we'll, we'll, we'll touch on in the beginning are really more just comments than questions. So first up, we got Paul Welsh. He says the accessibility is a topic close to my heart as a software designer slash developer. I think it's great to raise such issues within wargaming and where companies could make simpler improvements for a more inclusive audience. Chris Lynch says great idea for a topic. Drew Allen says this is a wonderful podcast topic. It affects so many men, even if just a little. I don't know if it's just a little. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but like we touched on, it's like it's, it's one in 12. There's a lot of us, yeah. dozens of us. <laughs> Adrian says, I look forward to listening to this while not colorblind myself. I'm actually very curious to know how someone who's colorblind approaches painting. We touched on a lot of that. Scott said, I look forward to this podcast. Well, to all of them. But as I'm colorblind, this one in particular. A lot of great comments like that about, hey, really, so this is a really... Uh, this this was a podcast topic that really resonated with with the with the, the folks on the counter charge page. But let's get into some actual questions. Kyle Timberlake says, "I use red and yellow poker chips for damage tokens. The biggest reason I chose these colors, red and yellow, is because red yellow color blindness is very rare. Oh yeah. Even with that, I still put a large denomination sticker on each poker chip." to further reduce the potential of confusion. Maybe let's let's elaborate a little bit. We talked a little bit about dice, but what about tracking damage 
I have, I mean, I use dice. I, I recently I've kind of moved to like a D10 that's in like a little tray that sits behind the unit. So obviously all the things we talked about dice and the contrast and the color all, all, all are still in play here for one of my other armies. I've got where it's a, basically like a stick and you put colored beads on it, right? Like I have red and white skulls, the reds are fives and the, and the, and the whites are one, like talk to me a little about tracking damage and give me some good examples of where people have made it really easy for you to follow. And then as many examples were like, man, it's really hard to tell how much damage that unit has. Well, I, I played that army, Rob, at, at uh, Lone Wolf two years ago. Your, your Kingdoms of Men had the uh, the little tower uh, skull marker bits. And that was that was perfect. And I mean, it was it, it, even if I saw in complete grayscale, the reds were, were dark enough and the whites were bright enough, I could tell, okay, there's a dark one there. That's five. And he's got two others that are lights. So there's seven total. But I mean, that still looked red and white to me. It goes back to the high contrast thing on the dice we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. So long as so long as the colors on whatever you're using to mark the damage aren't super close to one another in terms of like color value or brightness value and, and that that contrast value is is very wide, then they're they're going to be great. You're going to like they're going to get no um no complaints from me at least. <laughs> I've not had any problems with people using dice or counters can usually tell and that that's something i can kind of keep up with i'm trying to think i bought some counters that had little wheels and i decided not to use them because i thought they would be difficult for other people to see Mm -hmm. and uh they were not precise they wouldn't hold their position the way i wanted them to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean i thought it was a good investment Uh, they look real nice but uh, playability of them didn't wasn't up to what I wanted. I don't want anybody to be confused about right. how much damage my guys have. I've been using um, metal. I have a metal dice set that ma- matches my uh, matches the color scheme of my army. That's why I got it. <laughs> but it's it's uh-huh. metallic dice. It's a metallic green with like gold numbers on it and gold trim. Um, but depending on the, I realized depending on the lighting in whatever venue we're in, it becomes not a colorblind issue but a just visibility in general because if the lighting is very bright then you can't see what the number is because it's metallic and it's just reflecting reflecting so much yep so that's that's on me sorry to anyone i've ever played before i hope i was transparent enough i I promise i'll fix that with my next army (laughs) i have multiple sets of chessex dice and Mm -hmm. i usually am rolling one and using counters and counting wounds with another set or yep Sometimes even the same set if if it doesn't bother the opponent very much. For sure, I think what Kyle's doing is is very spot on. Like the the red and yellow that that contrast oh, yes. is very easily visible to yes. anybody in general. That's going to be very easy to tell what's what. And okay, that's definitely a three, or that's and not an eight, or that's definitely a two, not a five, something or a one, not a seven, something along those lines. Um, High vis helps everybody, not just you know. Don't go in there and be a be a fun gamer, a fun friendly opponent. Don't worry about trying to. We're so few and far between. Is it game the system? Yeah, don't don't try and game the system. Don't be a dick. <laughs> Come on. Don't be a dick. That's a good rule for life. We're playing with toy soldiers. You don't need to be a dick about it. <laughs> ben Owen says, "Glad to see this getting some attention, as it's something I struggle with in the hobby." The toughest part for me is the paint names not telling me what the actual color is. 
And if I'm doing a blended color, I have one crack at this. I will never be able to match that color again. You know, I guess, you know, I don't like having to make (laughs) custom colors or blends because you you might not be able to match in the future. So that's why, like, we talked about Reaper paints with the triads, like, that's it. You just take it right mm-hmm. out of the pot. Don't mix colors. Or if you are doing a mix, like you got to keep it as close to one-to-one as possible. Like if I'm mixing, it's because I don't own that specific color I'm looking for. Right. And I'm hoping to get like a specific blend of two colors, like my mid my and my base, or sorry, my, uh, my mid-tone and my shadow. Like it's, it's got to be super close. <laughs> I'm not looking to do like fancy blends otherwise. If I have to mix a paint, I've made a mistake somewhere in my process. Bingo. There you go. <laughs> That'll do it. Um, so so he touched on it with, you know, not having like specific colors. And then there was someone else that, towards the beginning that said, oh, it was, it was Paul. Um, simple improvements or, or those two comments rather. Something I'd thought of before that I wish there was a paint line that did. But as opposed to having stuff that said, oh, this is – this is oak brown or this is goblin green or orc skin. Give me like, okay, this is our – blending it with like the Reaper triad methodology, but say, okay, I am paint company number one or whatever it is. Here is our red number one and here's the highlight for red one and the base for red one. Here's red number two. Here's the highlight for red two and based uh, in the shadow for base two. Oh, that would be wonderful. That way you, you eliminate the names of paints coming into play. Uh-huh. And then you're focusing solely on the values um, of those colors. That's very cool. And then like the yeah. red one or that red two, dark. that'll be your specific hue. And the values will be your highlight and your base tone. But that, that's me approaching it from like the scientific method again and trying to work around the fact that I'm colorblind. I would love to see something like that. Don't, To my knowledge, it doesn't exist. Or I think the Reaper is the closest thing because they're already in preset triads. But I understand from a marketing and gaming standpoint that you want your colors to to evoke like fantasy themes and like oh here's here's dragon red or here's army green or here's fortress gray and you know stuff like that no one wants to use a paint that's called like green six or you know things along those lines um that would that's just something i thought of before that was a product i wished existed but uh, to my knowledge does not yet (laughs) Well, even if the manufacturer came out with a chart that you could go to their site website and, and see, no matter what they called it on the pot, say this is the equivalent, and you know all they would need is a chart. Oh God, give me that! I'll, I'll, pr- I'll print it off right now. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. I will staple it to the wall behind my hobby desk. <laughs> oh yeah, put it on on your desk, mm-hmm. your paint desk. Laminate it. <laughs> a manufacturer are to have that uh, at their place. Matter of fact, I'll go to Vallejo later on tonight and uh, see if there is something like that or if I could request something like that. I think the closeness are those those comparison charts um, from before, but that just compares like GW's whatever red to Vallejo's equivalent whatever red. It's it's not so much a guide to highlighting and shadowing with, um, Mm -hmm. with a specific line. It's more of comparing across manufacturers. Yes. Well, uh, what I would need, and most colorblind people would need, is a guide to um, highlighting shadow. That's the most important part of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have like uh, um, 
like like this one I'm showing you guys is like the Vallejo swatch, right? So it's like it's the swatch of the colors. But what you're asking for is show me like if you got five blacks, <laughs> mm-hmm. show me how they, you know, which one's darker, which, you know, or five browns, which one's darker to lighter. The browns would be the issue, yeah. Browns especially, because browns because browns are so prevalent from a color theory standpoint they are a they can be a neutral color they can be a main color they can be a shadow color and then you have you get into the variations of okay or the, the ones i rattled off earlier like here's a coffee brown here's a chocolate brown here's a light brown a leather brown mm-hmm. an oak brown you know yeah. it, you get variations of wood and chocolate and all these different types of browns yeah there it is with with all kinds of different like subtle undertones and things and, and mixes in browns get really really complicated <laughs> have you guys tried the paint rack app i don't know if you guys have ever tried that that's a new one on me what is that i have not felix castro was telling me about it it's something that like you can i think it'll let you record or uh make a date kind of like a database of all the paints you have and maybe help you match colors between ranges and stuff you know when you buy a paint you can bring it home you can scan the barcode and then it'll automatically get entered, you know, your phone. You can just read the barcode and it will uh, add it to your paint collection. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I might give that a shot just to keep track of what's what. Absolutely. Well, let's keep rolling. Mark, Mark Zielinski mentions, you know, Mark loves to do this. He doesn't really have a question. He's just making a comment. But books, card, dice, website, companion app. I, that's interesting. You know, like list building tools. Are, is that something we're colorblind comes into play not really i mean for i mean it's it's for lack of a better descriptor it's it's fairly black and white (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's a click unit add unit am i over the points total do i have enough unlocks all right let's keep going (laughs) i i did see one that had a a red you know it was like a highlight thing and oh where you add your spells or something like that um and I kept wondering where this add the spell was thing. And uh, it was, it was a different color to get its attention, but I never Oh, noticed. gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, that makes sense. It was like a separate tab and mm-hmm. it was any kind of uh, color variation can cause trouble, but uh, for sure, not, not too much. So to that end, I, I have, Personally, I've not had any issues with Mantic's new companion app or even Easy Army no, before. No, I haven't. Those were very like I didn't have any color issues with those. Um, I think they were uh, from a design standpoint. With that in mind, very clean. Um, I had no issues finding out what was where or interpreting anything or no problems reading anything. Yeah, my companion app. I've not had any trouble with it either. It, this was an older model an older program mm-hmm. our next up we have chase thompson from southern mississippi uh he says not colorblind but i am color deficient i get brown green green red and blue purple mixed up all the time i am always having to ask my wife to tell me what colors are or line a selected group of colors up from darkest to lightest he's colorblind <laughs> that sure sounds like colorblind to me buddy you might need to <laughs> You find a new optometrist. Yeah, color deficient. I mean, I'm deficient too, but <laughs> some of us more than others, I guess. Um, and I, I do remember seeing this comment on the the, the thread asking for that. And he, um, uh, 
I suppose to an extent, yeah, that, that's colorblind. <laughs> like if you want to, if we call a spade a spade, like deficient, blind, it's, you're not seeing it in grayscale. You're just struggling with, with stuff yeah. and it's fine. There's, there's one in 12 of us doing it. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's uh yeah, the brown green messes with me. The best way I've described it to people before is the, the hardest thing for me is earthy tones. Things are on that earthy spectrum, browns, greens, yep. reds. That's where it gets very wishy-washy kind of blendy together and it's all kind of an amalgamation of earth not so much like distinct colors Mm -hmm. well we got scott who's got a comment which it's great comment so scott says would love to hear about others painting mistakes due to being colorblind i have a few of my own spent hours painting up some figures for another game inquisitor assassins in leather with multiple slashes in the leather Wanted to paint them up in a tan skin tone. Painstakingly painted all the skin. I thought one of my best paint jobs. At the weekly gaming session at the local gaming store, I pulled them out to show my friends. They all asked why I painted them light green. Oh, I feel that. I feel that, man. <laughs> what is the worst mistake have you ever made? Uh, you know, or, or give us a really good example, a juicy example of where, oh my gosh, guys, I painted this and it did not turn out the way I thought. I'll let you take that one first, Mark, because the first one that comes to my mind is the one I said earlier about thinking Rob's army was the same exact color scheme as mine, when in fact it was definitely not. <laughs> so I'll let you go first. I painted a, a cold one chariot. Okay, and the cold ones, I thought the bellies, I'd painted them green. And they were some kind of red because of something I've done. I forget why, why they turn, why I didn't just read the bottle. And also, uh, and my son pointed out, you you know what color that is? And I said, yeah, it's green. No, it's not green, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. And then, uh, like I, I shared earlier, the 15 millimeter, 20, 15 millimeter Zouaves that were supposed to be native American with, you know, regular skin with like a, uh, a red tint. I painted them with an orc color, thinking that was the right color. That was a long time ago, but that's <laughs> kind of when I learned to, to go to somebody after one model. Those are the two biggest mistakes. That, you know, a lot of times people just won't, they'll just think, okay, he didn't quite get that right. But they Interesting artistic liberty you've taken there. <laughs> <laughs> they won't say that. Did you paint these in the dark? Yes, that is a problem. No. Uh, I can't. I can't think of anywhere I've had to like. Nope, this is all entirely wrong. I need to strip this model and start over. It, because I am so paranoid about making those kinds of mistakes, I, I, I try to be sure everything is right beforehand before I even start putting brush on the model. Because of that fear of like making everything wrong, so I, I, I painstakingly uh-huh. go through and set up everything how I want it before I even start putting paint on the model. Because knowing my luck, I'm going to rock up to a tournament and be like, hey, you like my, my color scheme I've been working on for six months? You like my new, uh, my new blue, and, blue and orange you know, army? And someone's going to go, Randy, that's, that's purple and green. What this? <laughs> yeah. I'm so paranoid about having that happen to me. So I, oh, well. I, I, haven't, I can't think of any instances where that specifically happened to me, but I can certainly sympathize because I dread it every time I sit down at my hobby desk. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that we first learn to do when we're colorblind is to compensate mm-hmm. whatever way we do it, whether how we adjust 
make our adjustments to the light, whether we make the light adjustments or, or we make regimen structured uh, adjustments, or I make sure my lights look very bright in here. When I'm looking, I have a really good painting setup that helps me a lot to, to see everything under the same color, uh, same under the same lights. I think that, but the, the adaptation we have to adapt to what we are doing, what we, our limitations. I guess everybody does that some to some extent, but when you're colorblind, you just learn to do, to adapt real quickly. You just have to. Yeah, absolutely. Just because you can't see the color of the car next to you, it really doesn't matter that much. You just got to know the car uh, is there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See the car, do not hit the car. Exactly, exactly. This has been fascinating. I, I had no idea what you guys had to go through to, or, or what you had to extra steps you had to put in the extra people to have to help you. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Takes a village. <laughs> Takes a village. That's a, that's a good point. You're lucky Thank to you. have a fantastic wives that uh, are able to help you with this. If you, if, if, if it was screwed up, you wouldn't know though. Right. So I wouldn't know at the time I would know by the time I got to the tournament and the ridicule set in. <laughs> Oh yeah, somebody's going to say something. The court of public opinion would rule me stupid. So, so maybe we just need to tell everybody: look, hey, if if Randy or Mark's army look terrible, just don't say anything. On the back, buy him a beer, tell him good job, buddy. <laughs> Great Pack job, champ! That's, that's Fantastic. Pack you deserve a golden there demon. Go. That's right. That's right. Patronize the handicap boy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I know we, we covered a lot, Rob, but did you have anything else? Like we just kind of like just chatted back and forth. So did you have anything? Well, that's what we wanted from this. We wanted to have a, a good candid conversation about, you know, being colorblind. What do you think here? Oh, well, I do have a question for you guys. Is there anything Mantic can be doing to help you as colorblind people? I mean, not that I can think of off the top of my head. They're dealing in a physical I've been very comfortable, yeah. Model space and rule book space, not so much a paint scheme or things like that. I mean, the, the rule books are very easy to read. I have no problems with those. I'm not struggling to like focus on the words on the page, reading rules, or you know, the art looks fantastic. Um, the models look, you know, the newer ones are very crisp and they look great. And I don't have a big enough budget to buy all the armies I want to buy from Mantic. Um, from a colorblind standpoint, I, I can't think of anything they could do um, to, uh, you know, to, to help out or assist in any way. I think that's just kind of uh, you know, to each their own at that point. Cause we're all just evident by between the two of us to, to each their own. We're all approaching it differently. We're all compensating differently. We're, we're, uh, we each have our different methodologies and approaches to how we deal with our eyes, not being normal. <laughs> yes. I, I one problem, they call it the big red book. I have a problem with that. Ooh, yeah, okay. No, that's a good one. When they brought out the new one and everyone started calling it the big red book, I went, is it a different color from the other one? And I had to pull out my other book. One from green to red. One of them red. green to red. You can't tell the difference. I had no idea until I put them side by side and people started talking about it. And I went, oh, no, did it again. <laughs> that was my point. Yep, yep. Maybe to wrap up, guys, may, maybe just like summarize in general, what can opponents do to make it easier for you guys at a tournament? Um, I mean, nothing. They don't have to, to do anything. Uh, they don't have to go out of their way. Nothing they wouldn't do otherwise. Be, be um, 
uh, uh, specific about your your movements, your motions, what has what damage. Um, be concise. Use use high vis dice and markers like like you would for any other opponent. Like we'll, we will be just fine. Just be a uh, yeah. courteous opponent. Be someone that's fun to play against. And you know, let's wrap this game up quick. The bar is still open. We can <laughs> we'll go. Like, <laughs> it's all fine and well. So long as you're not trying to game the system and use like purposely use low contrast dice or you know moon markers or something or symbols on the one and sixes or symbols on the ones and sixes yeah you don't have to take any special uh steps for that that you wouldn't already be doing to be a courteous opponent uh, in the first place right yeah i agree with what randy said uh, i can't think of of too much that an opponent would need to do to prepare for a, a battle with me considering i'm colorblind um I've, I've been handed a few lists, you know, at a tournament where they used a lot of color that, uh, and they'd say, well, this, yeah, but it didn't, I mean, it didn't really affect the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you can read it, it right? Be, I mean, black yeah, and white's probably the best, right? It, yeah. Yeah. The black and white uh, well, is the I, best I way I put to this unit in red because uh, they got the, the brew of strength. That's not going to cut it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't list brew brew of strength if you list brew of strength down there i'll have it yeah it does open it up for some uh, comedic avenue too if you're playing an opponent that knows you're colorblind you can look at their oh, very man. visibly green army and go man i love your blue army that looks so cool <laughs> <laughs> most of my, that'd be awesome the people that really know me that, that like that if i say something about their army they go they just nod their head they go oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh there's mark yeah, yeah. funny comments <laughs> He, he thinks I paint well. His opinion doesn't matter. Well, guys, I appreciate you guys coming on and talking about this. I had a wonderful time. When, when this gets posted, we'll we'll have some. Uh, we'll continue the discussion on the Facebook page because uh, hopefully this prompts more people to be uh, well to learn about it. Like you know, I, really, uh, to, to, uh, before coming into this, I, I I had no idea really what it meant. You know, I think Randy, you talked about it. You know, I, I probably did think it was just grayscale, right? I can't yeah. see color. I only see in black and white. It's yeah, like a film yeah. noir movie. No, but you know, so <laughs> that would be kind of cool to an extent, but I'm sure it would get old real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah, happy to revisit it anytime. Um, I'm because I'm sure this is gonna drive more conversation and more questions. And I hit up a lot of the major tournaments in the south. If you see me there, come come bug me, and I'll I'm happy to answer your questions. It's I mean I'm I'm just here gaming like the rest of you. Uh huh. I might just approach painting a little bit differently. So yeah, that's true. Happy to about it well mark do you want to take us out okay well this is uh counter charge and keep on counter charging thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on counter charge please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on twitter at countercharge 15 or by commenting on the countercharge kings of war podcast facebook group If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.